I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, y'all. Price Power Hour. Noon on a Friday. We have a full house here today. We've got the man, the myth, the legend, Brian Baston on the forecheck, renegade a puck, just all over the place, doing great work covering the Nashville Predators, who everything's good. This is fine. The fire is burning all around, <laughs> but this is fine. Everything is fine in Nashville. Uh, is here as he is at this time every week. Brian, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Uh, a little tired. I uh, was up late watching that Sharks Nashville, you know, game mm-hmm. last night, which was t- ended up being a little bit more entertaining than I thought it would be, at least at, towards the end. So, not too bad though. I'm excited. There you go. Six two, nice win there. So it's it's always a better vibe when we're coming into Preds Power Hour, coming off a win. Also here, Jeff Middleton, who writes for. Let me check my notes here. Everywhere now, Jeff. <laughs> uh, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm tired, as Brian said last night. It was up late, but we're doing well. Right. There you go. The clutch thing is to record it and then watch 630 in the morning. Like when you're doing stuff yeah. and you're just like, hey, the first morning part of your day when you just watch and take your notes and your brain firing on all cylinders like instead of the late night stuff. Like I do that with Brave stuff where it's like 1 a.m. in San Diego Padres Braves game. And I'm like, I don't have the mental capacity to keep up <laughs> with what's happening anymore. I'm, I'm out. Also here, ENHL on ESPN, the great Greg Wyshynski. It's back on the program after a couple months away. Greg, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm good. I don't know why everybody's tired. Um, I do mountainous amounts of cocaine. Uh, <laughs> so, like, I mean, and again, like, I know that there's a lot of young writers out there that, that have expressed an admiration for my work. And uh-huh. and, uh, and some some see me as a, uh, as a you know, as a, as a, I don't say, they idolize the career path I've taken. That's right. the secret. You've just you've just got to do mountains of cocaine, and um, <laughs> makes and, sense. And I got I got the good stuff when I was at All Star in South Florida, so we're in good shape. Well, it's also the topic du jour of the weekend because you know what comes out this weekend? Cocaine Bear that I am absolutely <laughs> going to see. I'm seeing it too. I, me and my boys were we're we're packing in the car and we're going. It's, it's going to be, be an fun. experience. It, cocaine Bear, 100 <laughs> percent on Rotten Tomatoes out of the gate. I was like, oh, like as just like it's just going to be a delight. I cannot wait for Cocaine Bear. I I can't help but think about the Bruins. Uh, their, their retro uh, logo. Their the, yes, uh, that bear that that kind of gives me Cocaine yeah. Bear. Yeah, strong yeah, Cocaine that, Bear vibe. Especially known as Meth Bear. I'm excited for it too. Like I thought for a little bit it was going to be. A little snakes on a planey but the trailer mm. um gives me gives me hope it's a real it's a real funny trailer and yeah. uh and and i heard it's like 
really gory, which is mm-hmm. what you really, really want out of this movie. So I'm, I'm, I have high hopes for it. Yeah, I don't think anybody's walking into that theater expecting any, uh, you know, drama or romance. So I think no. they're right where they're supposed well, to be. You see, that's that's not true. Did you guys know that Dame Judi Dench plays the bear? It's true. <laughs> I did not know. Wait, is that true? Oh, where's <laughs> that? Oh, oh, wait, wait, what? <laughs> No, it's it's hold on. Chase, Chase, it's Maggie Smith. Come on. I, well, I, was, gonna say, I was like, wait, what? Because Elizabeth Banks is the director, and I'm like, did she just do a bit where she? But I was like, okay, there is no bit there. Okay. Uh, Greg, that was too subtle. I like, I you, you got me at face value there. Um, well, we have some trade deadline stuff going on. The next week is going to be crazy. We talked about no sleep this week. It can only get worse, unfortunately, for Greg, Brian, and Jeff over the next couple days. Um, maybe the Bruins just trade for everybody, though, and then it just it's it's easy. The Bruins are just like we're going to go ahead and continue our assault on the rest of the NHL. Stop trying. We are going to win the Stanley Cup this year. It's done. Um, in the Vince Carter mode, it's done after the yeah. slam dunk contest. Um, trade deadline lead up, though. Let's lay it out, Brian. How would you want to lay this out for Greg and Jeff here on the program? Well, yeah. Uh, so I think the big, the two big names that our guests left on the board, you know, the the headliners uh, would be, you know, guy that we didn't get to see last night in Timo Meyer. And I, you know, looked at the what you had written just earlier this morning uh, on ESPN.com. Uh, and the trade, you know, you, the, the proposed trade, because I know that they've been working with New Jersey and there's a lot of interest back and forth. But do you think that's a deal that gets done? And, do you, uh, you know, do you think that return is going to be, you know, good for Chicago, uh, for San Jose going forward? Yeah, I mean, I, I look, the Devils have been in talks with them for a while. I, I do think that um, other teams that have talked to San Jose, in particular Carolina, are a little bit more open minded to maybe doing, you know, getting getting Meyer without the promise of a longer term contract. Obviously, it'll happen for this year that they would have him for next year with that qualifying offer. Um, but I, I, I think the Devils are in a different mindset. Like they they want to get this guy and they want to sign him to a longer term deal as a foundational piece of what they're building there um, because their window is wide open. Like they, I mean, my God, like their two best young prospects, Luke Hughes and Simone Nemish haven't even been in the NHL yet. Right. So, I mean, right. like they, they, they're, they are looking many, many years ahead. They think Meyer fits a lot of the needs that they have insofar as like adding size up front. Um, they love his age. So, I think the Devils are really into it, but I think that they're only into it if they can get them on a longer term deal from what I from what I gather. And then the other part about it, too, is like, obviously, what are they going to give up? And, you know, Hughes and Nemish are off the table. I think they'd give up Alexander Holtz uh, along with a first and then maybe something else. I, you know, there's been some talk and speculation about Dawson Mercer being in the deal. Um, hmm. If that's the case, I, I, I don't know if the Devils will do that. I think they love Mercer as kind mm-hmm. of a jack of all trades player that's currently really making an impact in their lineup um so we'll see where it goes but you know from what i gather for many years beyond the next two right well the other big story i think is is patrick kane and if he's ever going to get out of chicago um you know new york has already made moves and i think that's by all reports that's that's where he wanted to go do you think the rangers can actually get that done or is Patty Kane's going to remain in Chicago for the rest of the season. Financially, the Rangers can get it done. I mean, they, they already started to kind of orchestrate or, or kind of signal what those moves are going to be with their scratches this week. 
Um, and, and obviously Kane has an expressed interest in, in playing for the Rangers. And I don't know how many other teams he's that, he's that passionate about insofar as uprooting his life and going somewhere else. I mean, A, it's the Rangers, and, and B, it's a chance to, you know, get reunited with Panarin. Like, there's a lot of reasons why he he wants the Rangers. What What's interesting about if there's a match to be made here is one of the reasons sources around the Rangers were saying that they opted for Tarasenko instead of Kane hmm. was concerns about Kane's health. So, hmm. like, had the last four or five games put those concerns at ease because he scored like seven goals. I don't know, but like that, that was definitely one of the reasons why the Rangers went in another direction. So be curious to see what's changed in their purview to maybe pursue this now. I was talking to Tad Bamford last week at Bleacher Nation, uh, covers the Blackhawks and been doing so for a long time. Like the thing with Patrick Kane, like he, they just have to be like, there was no guarantee that it was like what 50, 50 that he gets moved because he's just been there for so long, like a 17, 18 year old kid. And just his family's there, his kids there to go to school. Like it's a huge, like half his life has been in Chicago. And I think it's one of those tough conversations where I, I don't know. I wonder if he ultimately does get moved. Cause I, it seems like it's not a big deal if he doesn't get moved to Patrick Kane. Like I think it, obviously the rebuilds here, they're doing a to- full on rebuild, whether they wanted to do it or not. Like the Blackhawks are going to be bad for the next several years. I don't know. Like it, we'll see his priorities, but it also makes it complicated, right, Jeff, to kind of move Patrick Kane because he is this, I mean, champion figure in Chicago who's won, who's just been there forever, been loyal to the city forever. That, like, do you really want to move? Like, there is some real, you want your guys to be on one team forever like uh, preds fans want uc soros to be a pred forever or you look at certain guys it's just it's cool like ovechkin being a, a capital forever Sidney crosby being a penguin like there is real value to being that kind of leader and that kind of or just like known figure who stayed with one team for your entirety of your career i i just i wonder how much that complicates his trade value and like the rangers do make sense but it's like i i mean i don't know what what do you think jeff I mean, I think it's hard, you know, like it's finding that balance. It's sports is such a funny business because, you know, as we've seen, even with the Preds, like Pecorino, it was a Pred forever. And mm-hmm. um, it's just you have to kind of find that balance because, like, I don't think I don't think it's that Patrick Kane doesn't want to be a Blackhawk. Like, I mm-hmm. think I mean, but what they're going through right now is it's hard for everybody mm. like rebuilds no matter how much preds fans want them or te- or fans around the around the league want them they're they're very hard especially on the people within within the organization like no mm. one wants to be in a rebuild for forever um and i'm sure if the blackhawks got connor bedard then he might feel a little bit differently but that's not a guarantee so you know it's i don't i think it's less it's hard for I think any GM to trade guys that have sentimental value to the fans, just because at that point you're risking a lot more than just moving an asset, right? So it's you have to kind of figure out one what's best for the the organization as a collective, such as you know the fans, the ticket sales, the 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 marketing, the you know, which players you're going to use to bring people in, selling jerseys, stuff like that. And then, but you also have to figure out what's best for the player and what they want 
and what's best for the team because teams also don't want guys that don't want to be there. Right. So it is a lot of moving parts that if, if I were in that position, I would be, I don't know what, honestly, like, I don't think I could, I could be there. It would be hard. See, the one thing I've wondered, and I haven't seen a lot discussed, maybe just because I have the other part of it, you know, overtakes it, but do the Rangers, is it the best move that they can make? Is is Patrick mm. Kane going to be the thing that pushes them over? I mean, he's, yes, he scored those seven goals or however many it's been in the last few games, but I mean, he's well past his prime. And and, and so is this a move that, that the Rangers make that they really do think that he is that missing piece? I mean, I'd love to know. I, yeah, go I ahead. Mean, I, I, I think they already made their move for the missing piece, which was Tarasenko. Like they, mm. they needed a, a, a top six right wing. They got one. Um, it's it would be a redundancy, but but then it comes down to price. I mean, like the if the package they sent for Tarasenko to St. Louis, if you can get Patrick Kane for not that, like you might as well do it if you can mm. fit him in financially and and make yourself a better team. I mean, God, like they'd be loaded, and yeah. and there's something to be said for that. I mean, they're a very solid team. They're gonna they're gonna go as far as as uh, as, as they're, probably their depth takes them. I mean, they're going to need another great performance in the playoffs out of the kid line, for example, and those types of players. But I mean, adding Patrick Kane to the mix is never is, is not a bad idea if you can get him at a at a good price and if you could not have to give up any any uh, huge future assets for him. Especially when you have to compete against Boston in that Eastern Conference, and they're getting better too. So, you know, yeah, any players yeah. help. Hmm. Um, but we'll see ultimately what happens here um, with uh, with that. Um, Greg, how about this? What do you think is the biggest trade that happens that no one's talking about yet? Who do you think it could be a, a name or do you think a team gets involved and takes a big swing that most people are not expecting? I mean, they're being talked about, but not top of mind in the same way that like Meyer and Kane and, and Chikrin are being talked about. But I, ha- I wouldn't be I, like... It, it's crazy to me that Vancouver would make a big swing and trade mm. Demko or trade uh, Besser at the deadline. Like it, you know, they've talked to a lot of teams about Besser. It's not come together. Um, I have to imagine that that you strike while the iron's hot and and try to move one of these guys at the, at the deadline if you can. I, I put together uh, in our trades we'd like to see uh, a story on ESPN today a, a trade that would have. Uh, ended up getting Demko on the Kings. Um, I actually think there's a pretty good fit between those two teams. I know the Kings have an affinity for Demko, but I, it wouldn't shock me to see Garland, Demko, Besser, like one of those guys uh, end up moving at the deadline uh, and, and and really a team making a big splash because of it. Interesting. What do you think, Jeff? Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I mean, the, the Kings need a goalie. Um, and so, you know, as much as I think Phoenix Copley has been good. He's not, I don't see Phoenix, I don't see him taking them to a Stanley Cup. And I think the Kings, obviously, I think the Kings want to win that. And they're, they're doing well this year. They're doing well enough for, you know, that to them to be buyers and to look at the, at the goalie market, which is always kind of a weird sect of the trade deadline talk. Um, and if things wanted to get really spicy, you know, you could throw in a UC Saros at some point, but uh, it's, I think honestly, a team that is was talked about in 
um, Patrick Kane rumors. I think Dallas probably takes a big swing at somebody. Mm. I think I think they're, you know, there's not really a team that has separated themselves in the Western Conference yet from what I've seen. Um, I think and Dallas and Winnipeg are kind of up there with their neck and neck at the top of the central. And I think if, you know, one of those two teams was going to take a big swing, I'd probably say it would be Dallas. So I'd probably look out for them to do something. I see. Yeah, that's funny. I disagree. I think, I think of those two teams, I think Winnipeg takes a bigger swing. Mm-hmm. I think, I, I think they, they see their window as being right now, given, you know, the age and contract status of some of their players. I mean, obviously this is their last season with, with Dubois on the roster, most likely. I, I think that's a team that you could see, and they've done it before, like the Paul Stastny trade a few years ago and Kevin Hayes. Like they've, they've taken big swings before, and I can see them doing again, doing it again, knowing that the Western Conference is a little bit, like you said, up in the air. Interesting. Um, last um, trade deadline thing here before we transition to Preds Power Hour here on the program. <laughs> uh, Greg, who do you, if you had to guess, what, what kind of sense do you have for what the Preds are going to do over the next week? Uh, your guess is as good as mine. I mean, like, mm. I, 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 I don't, I don't know how to read David Boyle anymore. <laughs> yeah. To be honest with you. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if he has a handle on what this team is. I don't know what he wants to do with the roster. It's a team built for now that that doesn't seem like it's doing anything now, right? So it's mm-hmm. I, I don't know if the trade deadline is really where a lot of moves can be made that are going to fundamentally change the, the, the makeup of this team. I mean, obviously there's going to be a huge amount of interest in Matias Ekholm, but is it at the deadline? You know, if you needed to move other guys, is it going to be at the deadline? I don't know. I mean, you could see them moving off some some depth and supporting players to teams that are contending, but as far as the bigger swings to try to reshape this roster, I, I just don't know if you could do it um, at this point in the season. It seems much more like a summer a summer, a summer project. Interesting. Uh, Brian, where do you want to go next in terms of the Preds? Uh, yeah, so going back to you know the two teams we saw last night, there was a report uh, came out I think yesterday, day before, uh, that there was a little bit of discussion between San Jose and Nashville uh, about Dante Fabro. Now, I know a lot of people kind of had high expectations for Dante Fabro and the and the path he took to get here. And I mean, uh, a high you know first round defenseman in Nashville has a lot of expectations put on him, but. Uh, is is that the kind of move that that Nashville is more suited to make? And you know, you had said before, Greg, that uh, you know that they want to be sellers, but they may not be able to be. Um, Ekholm might be the only Ekholm and Fabro might be the only kind of guys that might be drawing interest. Um, is it important that Nashville moves something out in this? Because I think it's it's absolutely necessary, especially when you've lost a couple of players this season for absolutely nothing. Yeah, no, I, I think anytime you can sell, you sell, right? And and I guess there was a, what was it? Quinn coached him in college, right? That was the uh, the connection with Fabro. So yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. I mean, it's it's the NHL. It's, it's nepotism. <laughs> I guess yeah. that's how you draw the 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 conclusion that there could be a connection there. Um, but but again, like what's coming back the other way from San Jose is is ultimately the question on that one. Yeah, I, I think that's the that's the thing is that. I don't know. I mean, you, it's hard to say, you know, if you can sell, then, then then you should definitely sell because that's something that I think we've, we feel like we've had this discussion every year for the past three years. Um, and, you know, and, and years where they should have probably, you know, looked towards that and they went out and got Brian Boyle and Wayne Simmons, you know, like it's, it seems like the heat that Poyle is, 
close to admitting that it needs a rebuild, but he's like, no, just one more year, just one more. And so I, it's, it's frustrating because now they've got guys locked up that they wanted to have locked up. And I don't think many people are going to disagree, you know, that, that having Forsberg uh, locked in is a good move, Roman Yossi, things like that. But, you know, there's a lot of those, you know, David Poyle being a guy who was really, you know, adverse to giving, you know, no trade clauses, no movement clauses. Now he's given those out and they've got guys with long-term deals like Johansson and Forsberg, Yossi, I mean, McDonough, they still got time on McDonough. So, you know, the way this team is built, the moves that they've made, you know, their major losses have been young players. So, I mean, it seems to me that the the, the general direction is that Poyle's not ready to, to give up on this team succeeding, but I'm not seeing anything on the ice that should be convincing of that. I mean, Jeff, I think that you would agree, you know, most of all that it's, it's, you know what needs to be done now, but now I don't think Nashville is in the place to do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's from an outside perspective, obviously it's frustrating because you have guys that could be sold off. Like I think, I think Nino Niederreiter would be a great piece for a contender to pick up. And I think that the Preds, given that's given what's happened on the trade market so far, I think the Preds could get a, a decent haul for him. Um, but if I'm David Poyle, I'm also thinking, you know, he who hasn't won a Stanley Cup, he he doesn't like if he starts this rebuild, then he, that's it, it's over for him. Like he that's when that's when his his general managing career is done because frankly he doesn't have much time in the general manager seat left, um, and it's. Yeah, it's it's. I think it would have to be hard to admit when it is over. So from that point of view, I'm like, I try to be a little understanding as to why he's doing what he does. But from a this needs to end now, this is not working standpoint. Like he, from like, he, he's not doing what's in the best interest of the Predators at this at this current time, right? So like, you know, he's not. I read somewhere that he was talking with Janot about talks had started with Janot about a long-term extension. And I was kind of like, what, why would, <laughs> you know, I, I love Tanner Janot, but it's, you have, he's clear. There's been interest in him and we've heard that there's been interest in him and you're seven points out of the wild card spot. Like, and you have what, like two or three games left before the deadline. So, you know, it's not, they're not going to become playoff a playoff team against a team. Uh, I think I tweeted this out last night. It was like, you know, it's really frustrating when a, a three game series against Minnesota or Boston, Florida, and Minnesota is the defining quote unquote kind of sect of the season for where the Preds are going to be for the future. And then a week later, it's oh well, we've got. Arizona, San Jose, and Vancouver. And that's where it's really going to happen. Like those are, those are teams in different way, different places. Like you're not going to be competing with those last three teams for a playoff spot. So I don't know. I think, I, I think I understand why David Poyle doesn't want to kind of admit that it's over because it's when it's over, it's over, but best interest of the franchise. It's, it's, it's hard to kind of wrap my head around some of the stuff that's been said recently. You've had, it's yeah. been hard for you to wrap your head around a lot of stuff. A lot, you watched, yeah, the, you watched a man throw a catfish on the um, ice while a game was going on. You saw that in person, Jeff. I wasn't there. I Oh, you just had the picture. You just shared just the, picture. the picture. Oh, I yeah. thought you were there for that. Okay. No, I, yeah, I've been... 
I've been there was a I saw a video of it on uh-huh. on a, it was a TikTok video that went viral too. So uh-huh. yeah, it was mm. not great, <laughs> not great. Greg, true or false? Barry Trotz is the head coach of the National Predators at this time next year. I'll go false. I think it'll be the GM. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I mean, I don't know. Like he doesn't have any experience in, in that player personnel capacity, but I, I, I don't I mean I don't know if coaching is really is is coaching really where Trotzy wants to be at this point in his career. Maybe he just wants to be someone who joins a national organization in a you know hockey operations capacity and goes from there. Who's to say? I mean, I do have to ask, Greg, you talk about, you know, well, he doesn't have any experience as a GM. When has that stopped anybody in the NHL? I mean, it, it hasn't, but I mean, I don't, I, it, unless I'm wrong, like, I don't even think he's got any experience. Like, right. even a guy like Sackick or Iserman, you know, they they were they were in the organization in different capacities in player right. personnel, and then they became GMs. So, I don't know. That's why, you know, like a, like a president – role would be interesting for him but again the, the 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 issue for that is that um you know Hoyle won't ever get fired he'll just get, get kicked upstairs and so mm-hmm. whatever sort of honorarium role you want to give trots will probably have to be below that so who knows but you know i mean listen i, I don't think it i think there'd be a, a lot of interest and a lot of comfort for barry trots to coach the predators again next season but i don't necessarily know if it's the best thing for the predators i, I would agree with that i would also agree yeah <laughs> I'm going to guess it's like a triumvirate where it's like, it's the, it's the Poils, the combined Poil family, the Poil dynasty, and then Barry Trotz are all in there. Like, it's just, uh, and um, I think a part of it too is like, we don't know what kind of relationship Barry Trotz has with, um, with Haslam. Like, that's going to be another big part of this is like the relationship building and who he already has connections <laughs> with that we don't know about. And um, that's just, it's a big part of, it's an under talked about part of every sports organization is like the relationships with the owner and like what kind of private relationships are and what they're like in interviews and things like that. I just, we don't know, but we just know that, like you said, Jeff, and I think you hit the nail on the head with Poyle. It's just for him. He's like, why would I, why would I sign up for a rebuild? Why would I be a gigantic seller at the deadline? Like if I do that, then I might as well retire because I'm not going to be around uh, on the flip side. But I mean, on the other side, you're like, well, do you want to set your son up? for the for that combination i don't i don't know it's just kind of that's kind of a depressing like short-term yeah. outlook here I, I, I know you were you're a kid around about you know the poils i mean but there's mm-hmm. been talk about you know uh his son succeeding him but i mean honestly that's the path if you're going down a path of you want to go back and go get one of your former coaches and you're going to go and you're going to keep you know the gm you're going to keep poil in the building and have trots and things like that i mean that's, it seems a lot like how you get yourself in a position that Chicago is in, where you know you try to grab those old players to see if you can just get it one more time, and then all of a sudden you're kind of set back this far, you know. So I, I, I'm really hoping that things do, you know, if they go, if they make the moves to change the GM, head coach, whatever, that they bring in somebody that's you know outside the organization, uh, something that's new that we can. You know, rebuild with because I think what's what's going on in Nashville now is has been very successful over the last six to seven years. Um, no one could argue that, but it's that formula isn't about you know that's not going to going to win going forward. I don't think. Interesting, Brian. Injury front. You wanted to form this question based on whether or not, like, if we could have turned injuries off before this year and how that would have shaped how we saw the Preds. How do you want to how do you want to pivot this for for Greg? Yeah. I mean, because before Forsberg and uh, Johansson, I mean, 
Nashville, I think, was like the third or fourth most healthy team in the season uh, in the league. Um, I think Bor- Borvietsky was has been the long term, you know, loss. But I think, you know, according if you look at like stats and stuff like that, I think his absence actually made them a little bit better. Uh, and nothing against him, but you know, so if if injuries aren't you know an issue that you know they can point their finger at and say you know if this team had been healthy they'd be better. Uh, they still have fantastic goaltending. Uh, you know, it, this team is on paper should be upgraded from last year. I mean, you add McDonough, you add Niederreiter, you get rid of a guy like Luke Cunnan and Matt Benning, uh, stuff like that. And you've got Soros back to form playing like a top five, top three goaltender. What is it that's going on with this team, in your opinion, Greg, that it, where it's just not working? I couldn't tell you. I mean, you know, the, it, the mix just didn't come together. And, um, you know, there are pieces there that you could still build around, obviously, like Yossi and Saros and players like that. But, you know, it just uh, you, you, you piece it together. You, you see inklings of what it could be last season, and then it just doesn't come together in a, you know, pretty competitive division. Hmm. What about you, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's a lot of things. I think it's regression from the top players, I think. Tanner Janot not scoring 20 goals has not helped. I think Mikhail Granlund having one of the worst seasons I've, I think he's ever had is not helping. Uh, I think coaching is not good. Um, you know, I don't want to place all of the blame on coaching because some of it does have to do with just statistical stuff. Um, it's just, you know, they, they're, it, they're a weird team. Like it's, they, cause like Brian said, they're, they're a better team, I think, on paper than what they were last year. But I think, I don't know if I've written about this. I'm sure I have. But the problem is they might be a little better on paper, but that's not going to account for losing, you know, probably 30 goals from Duchesne and Forsberg alone. Like, they, they're not going to, they're not going to both be 40 goal scorers again. Um, and Roman Yossi's not going to score 94 points, which was absurd still. Um, it's just, I think, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, statistical regression from the top guys and um, and even down years from guys that, like, it's not even just regression anymore. They're just playing really bad this year. Um, those That would probably be what I would point to. Um, and, you know, coaching and, roster decisions have not have also played a part in that interesting right what does the johansson injury mean for how the preds approach the next week i mean i think we've heard johansson's name come up uh you know over the past few years as being a, a piece that could go out in a trade but i think that that's been a lot of nashville's been asking around and nobody's been kind of willing and and before last year i could see definitely why i think he kind of bad he bounced back from you know, becoming a, a playmaking type of center rather than the scorer. And, you know, 26 goals for a top line center you know, on a competitive team, that's not necessarily, you know, uh, you know, what you want, but it's a little bit better. But I don't think, you know, I think he, there was a very slim chance that he would move. But I think now that, that he's injured, I don't know that he's going to be going anywhere. So, yeah, I just, I wonder they're going to do something. I just don't think it's going to be any major fireworks. I don't think it's going to be like the we're going full out. UC Soros is out. We're getting a King's ransom for UC like Forsberg, yeah. whoever. I just it just doesn't feel like that's where they're headed. I think they want to make the playoffs. 
Uh, yeah, uh, I will say this. I think if they do something, my money is going to be that they make a bunch of small things to get some help down in Milwaukee because I think what, like five or six players or, or last night were in the lineup were guys who had spent significant, you know, significant time in Milwaukee this season. So, you know, I think that's going to be definitely I don't think fans, when you start to see these trades happen, you know, because it happens every couple of years that, you know, you'll see these AHL trades come in. And you're like, oh, my God, what are they doing? Um, I, granted, I also said that about the Ben Harper trade and look what happened there. So, um, you know, I think you're going to you're going to see that because there's a lot of a lot of admirals up up in Nashville right now. And they're a good team and you don't want to pull that team out in front of a guy like Askarov who's having a pretty good year. So, yeah, go ahead, Jeff. I also think that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just the, the, you, Brian's right. Like, I think the trades are going to be smaller. I think it's not going to be anything big, but from, if I'm the fans right now, and from what I've obviously read all over Fred's Twitter is like, and what I think is probably in the best interest is starting small, like, Obviously, you're not trading Ryan Johansson or Matthew Shane. This 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 trade deadline, like it's not happening. Their contracts are too, um, their contracts are too big, um, and that Johansson's hurt. Um, but you know, it's it's someone has like you have to kind of get the get the ball rolling in some way. Like I don't think I, I'm not expecting some giant trade. Like I'm not expecting a Matthias Ekholm trade, but a Tanner Janot trade. Now I would expect that. Like I would, I would say, considering what he's doing this year and considering what he did last year, there are there is still value there, and contenders clearly want him. You know, the Rangers, the Rangers have expressed interest in him. Why would you not do that? And so it's 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 less for me about seeing these giant trades going down, and more about seeing trades where I'm like, okay, we're headed in the right direction. Yeah. I just, I want them to rip the bandaid off. And I think that's what most fans are at. And I think Poyle is in this ownership group is miss is misreading the room. If they go the other way, if they think the playoffs is going to get this fan base energized, like making an eight seed, seven seed. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think it's going to go well there. I don't think they're going to get the reaction that they're hoping. And I wonder if they're considering that in moves of just like what the fan actually want to do here because i think i y'all could attest this better than me i feel like the majority of fans want them to be sellers and significant sellers the deadline and i just wonder if that clash between what poil wants and what the fans want is going to be something that uh should be interesting to monitor right yeah i mean two things about that one is and then you know jeff talked about this earlier too is that nashville um you know, like that's it's going to be difficult, and we're seeing the arena get less and less filled. I mean, we, you know, people were kind of embarrassed to get with Boston. Now Boston's like the best team in the NHL. They travel well. I mean, but it, it, we haven't seen that in Bridgetone in a while. Um, and one of the things that Poyle has to think about, and maybe why the owners aren't making a move, is that a rebuilding team, even if the fans want it, they're not going to sell as many seats, and so that's got to be rough, especially coming out of these COVID years. Um, and the cap going up, you know, in the future. So that's part of it. And two, the other thing I did want to mention, because I saw this this morning, uh, I'm very glad that that uh, Ryan Johansson, you know, was able to get out of that surgery. And we kind of have pushed that kind of off the, the cycle as far as, you know, because what that could have been was awful. Because I think they said uh, just this morning that he was wearing like a cut resistant sock. Yeah, it was a protective sock. 
So he, it could have been much worse. I mean, he, he went immediately to surgery too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that sock may have been the difference between us talking about, well, you know, is Johansson going to, you know, Johansson will be back next season or is Johansson done with hockey? So, I mean, I did yeah. want to make that note mm-hmm. that I'm incredibly thankful that, that it worked out the way it did. And he's, he was able to, to recover and he sent a big box of uh five daughters to uh to his surgeon so it's, it's that's a pro move i have to give it to him that's an absolutely pro move right there um so you know i'm glad to hear that he's okay i just wanted to make sure we got that out there because we were a little worried about that you know when it happened and then it would just we got good news fast and so that was pretty thankful for that well there you go um as we look ahead we'll end here guys jeff what are you looking for out of the preds over the next week before the next preds power hour um i'm expecting a tight game against arizona Mm. probably a loss to pittsburgh although they did get killed by edmonton last night and there were fire hextall chants going um so that was crazy the fans want to uh, completely blow it up. They're like, the only one who's safe is like Mike Sullivan. It seems like they're, yeah. everybody else is just, they want a um, whole tear down. Yeah. I don't mean, see, the problem with that is you can't really tear it down when you have Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and, and Chris no. Tank. But, yeah. um, and then probably, honestly, that that Florida game before the, right before the deadline, that's that's going to be a weird one because I don't think, I don't think Florida's going to come in and do this. They're not going to play the same way they did. Um, and their seven goal loss to, or well, seven to three loss to the Preds. Um, so a lot more of up and down. Um, the Coyotes have been good at home recently. Um, so that'll be an interesting one. First time we get to see Mullet Arena, and first time Preds fans get to watch it, um, watch a game there. And uh, yeah, lots of up and down. I'm hoping that they'll sell off some pieces, but. <sighs> You know, who knows anymore? Yeah. Give me one name. You and Brian, give me one name that you think gets moved. Most likely, in your opinion. That I think gets moved. Um, that's a tough one. I, Tanner Janot, probably just because his name's been out there more, mm. I think would probably be my guess. Um. I, I, I mean, Dante Fabro is a good one too. Um, I, actually, I'm going to go Dante Fabro just because with the Preds doing the extension talk thingy with that that was reported or whatever, um, I'm going to switch to Dante Fabro. Okay. What about you, Brian? I think Dante Fabro is one that I think is more is probably pretty realistic. Um, I think if there's one that's even, I think Matthias Ekholm, I think would be, I, I hate to see it. I, I really, really like Matthias Ekholm. And I think he's a, a, he, but he's the guy that I think if, you know, besides Nashville, he, he's, he's a guy that uh, teams can kind of build their, their blue line around. Um, and I think that he is going to represent, you know, 6 million plus off the board. Um, he's got a few years left on his contract. And I mean, it's going to be, you still have talent at the position and you've got young talent too. That's, that's fine. Um, it's not like, you know, losing at home, isn't going to make this team's defense much more, much worse than it actually is right now. Anyways. I mean, I know they're like 28th, 27th. Um, but you know, that's a move that makes sense. And that's one that you can make and you still keep a lot of your guys, some of your core, uh, you probably won't have to retain on him 
uh, and you can get a decent return, but you just you free up and give yourself more options for the future. And I think that's probably the one. If it's not Fabro, it's probably uh, it's probably Ecom. I like it. Jeff, what can the good folks check out from you across the internet this week? Uh, well, so <laughs> yesterday I uh, I announced a, a move. So I'm actually, uh, along with On the Floor Check, I'll be occasionally writing pieces there. Um, I announced a move to um, Flames Nation, uh, the Nation Network. So I'm going to be writing about the Flames now. Um, so that's exciting. And uh, Renegades of Puck, I'll be doing some stuff there too. Awesome. Awesome. Congratulations, sir. Thank you. Also, yeah. Brian over at Renegades of Puck and on the Vorcheck. What can the good folks check out from you and the team over there this week? Yeah. A uh, quick note. Uh, Greg just messaged me. He had an call, important call that he could. He absolutely had to take. So he apologizes for, for having to drop out. But he uh, uh, he said, you know, he was glad to be here. But um, actually... Yeah, one of the reasons I'm tired is that instead of going to bed as soon as the as soon as the horn went off last night, I uh, recorded for Renegades of Puck uh, a thing, and then also did a uh, did a podcast with uh, uh, with the guys over at Locked On Sharks. So that was a lot of fun. I did not go to bed until about three thirty, and then got up at about six thirty. So it's been a whole day. Um, it didn't happen I'm, today, Brian. Oh, don't worry. I don't. I I really would like to ask that nobody bother me tonight. So. <laughs> Yeah, but, but it's been it's good we've got the deadline coming up um there are talks about something in the works for deadline day in terms of um you know some f- some soon to be sb nation uh alumni uh just gonna put maybe a little something together during the day of so keep keep your eye out for that um speaking of that'll probably be why uh you know things will be we're gonna probably record after the deadline on friday correct we are we're doing uh we're gonna do it after either saturday yeah. morning or friday night yeah yeah that'll plan. be good so we'll do that but uh, the next week's gonna be busy um hopefully it's the good kind of busy mm-hmm. and you know it's the, the kind that we go like we did with pk suban a few years back you know the draft and you're like oh i can't believe they did this and then looking back you're like yeah all right that's fine okay i i see um but Hopefully it's that kind of week, and so it's. I'm looking forward to it. the The season's technically not over. Um, they've got a pretty easy stretch of ten games coming up, so maybe we'll get to watch some enjoyable hockey before that last stretch of just absolute murder happens at the end of the year. There you go, Brian Bassin, Jeff Middleton. Always a pleasure, and I will talk to y'all next week. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing mm-hmm. your, um, pleasantness. You're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah.